Have you seen the bulletin? You're on cover. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Hello everyone, it's Saturday morning. I'm Emma Williams and today's show is about teacher absence. It's on my mind right now. I've just finished 10 days of isolation after testing positive. Yes, despite the vaccinations, I succumbed. But I'm back, fitter, happier, more productive, and I created a lot of cover. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Thank you for joining me live on Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome to the show. We've already got people joining us, which is absolutely great to see. And I hope you'll all share your thoughts on my topic for today, which is all things related to teacher absence. Setting cover, cover lessons, maybe a bit of supply work. But before we get on to that, it is my first appearance as a host on Teachers Talk Radio. So I should probably tell you just a little bit about myself. So I'm in my 21st year of teaching yikes i'm a secondary school teacher i've always worked in state schools despite my subject which we will discuss another time it's something that in my experience tends to be a bit of a conversation stopper Uh, i spent 10 years at a grammar school in north london and for the last 11 years i've worked in a lovely 11 to 16 comprehensive in woking in surrey I'm pretty active on Edu Twitter, so if you like the Twitterverse, then do say hello to me on there. Now, I've actually been running a poll on Twitter asking how many cover lessons you have had to do this week. And Well, some people are not happy, I can tell you. Well, of course, of course they're not. We all hate it. We all know what it's like. We've all had that sinking feeling when we've come into work, possibly against our better judgment, seen our name on that cover board. Well, actually that date that dates me, doesn't it? We don't really have cover boards anymore. Um, seen our name on the app, email, whatever your school uses. We've seen it and we've gone, oh. And as a result, most of us will drag ourselves in if at all possible. Well, I say most. There are always a few glorious exceptions. Members of staff who seem to positively revel in being absent as often as they possibly can. I'm naming no names, but we've all met them. Eventually. Anyway, most of us will drag ourselves in at all costs if nothing else, so that our colleagues don't have to pick up the tab. I know people say they go in for the kids, but really, if you're that ill, in my experience, the kids are getting a rum deal anyway, because you're not really in a fit state to teach them. But 
the bottom line is we all know that if we don't show up, somebody else's day is going to be a little bit worse. And well, not, not just one person, five, six, seven people's day is going to be that little bit worse because five, six, seven people are going to have to pick up one of your lessons, one of your form times or one of your duties. That's just how it is. So back to that uh, Twitter poll, I had an amazing response. I'm just looking at my phone here. Um, 638 people voted, which is amazing because I don't have that many Twitter followers in the grand scheme of things. Um, and now 54% of teachers who responded had not done any covers, lucky them. 38% had done either one or two this week. And 8% of respondents had done three or more covers this week, which is actually phenomenal. Three or more in one week. Um, and I had a couple of uh, comments. Uh, Mrs. KMP said, I might occasionally walk the long way round to go into school to avoid the person who sorts out cover. I, yeah, I think I think we've all done that. Um, and Becky George said, we've been fortunate enough to have 15% PPA instead of 10. Um, the head told us this morning that from Monday, the extra three may be used for cover. So I think schools are really feeling it at the moment. So... I have never felt more horrified than I did when I stared down at my positive COVID result. Um, I was I was half dressed for work, you know, pants on, tights on, halfway in and out dress. And I thought, oh, I haven't done one of those stupid test things for a few days. Better do one now. Um, you know, we've all been doing these ad nauseam for God knows how long. And it's it's kind of taken on an air of pointlessness, hasn't it? Like, like anything you do time and time again, you just become blasé about it. Even something that involves shoving a cotton bud up your nose and swirling it around. Um, we, we're just used to it. So believe you me, when I stared down at those two red parallel lines, I couldn't believe it. I was bouncing fit, fully vaccinated, was also convinced I'd had it previously, before we had tests available. You know, how you can convince yourself of these things. Well, I can anyway. So yeah, I couldn't believe it. And then the symptoms kicked in and I thought, okay, looks like the lateral flow test is right. And the PCR, of course, confirmed it. But that is more than enough of me moaning. The point I'm making is that cover is very much on my mind. I created a lot. And this is the first time I have had time off work due to illness in five years. The last time when I didn't have the government literally ordering me to stay at home on pain of death, I was so ill I could barely get barely get out of bed. I truly could not, under any circumstances, set cover. And yet, because of my subject which no one else understands and no one else in the school teaches, I still had phone calls asking me what the students should be doing. And, and I understand why. With, without me, they literally had nothing to do for an hour. And we all know why that's not a good idea. So, so this has all got me thinking about cover in general, how we hate creating it, 
how we hate doing it, and how much we totally love our cover supervisors who rescue us like knights in shining armour. And I have one of those knights joining me after the break who will be sharing her experiences. Liz King worked full-time as a cover supervisor for 12 years and so knows the highs, the lows and the everything's in between. If you are looking for a cover girl, Liz is your woman. So after the break, I will be talking to her about her experiences and starting to unpick what makes the very best and the very worst kind of cover lesson. So stay with me. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Welcome back, and I'm hoping that we actually have Liz here with us. Hi, Liz, are you connected? Hi, Emma, morning. Hello, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Glad to hear um, you're feeling better. Oh, yeah, well, much better, thank you. Um, in fact, the last few days, it's just felt super weird being sat at home. <laughs> yeah, desperate to get back. Desperate to get back, and, you know, watching my name on that cover list, you know, up against the usual suspects, yes. and me thinking, what? Uh, yeah, it's been really strange. So you did the job as a cover supervisor for a punishing amount of time. I did, yes. <laughs> what possessed you? Oh, I had young children, and the hours suited me perfectly, and it was going to be a stopgap. I was going to do it for a couple of years until my youngest was in senior school, and then I would look for another job. And testament to the school that we both worked in, um, I stayed for 12 years because it was a lovely place to work. Oh, amazing. And... So, yeah, so did you just literally come across the advert or what? what, what yeah, I think first I did. Um, I was working with um, apprentices. So I've, I've worked with young people for a very long time and I, I can't even remember where it turned up. I think it might even been back in the day when, when adverts were in local newspapers. Mm -hmm. And I saw it and I thought, oh, that might have my name on it um, and interviewed and, and got it. And it was a baptism of fire, I can honestly <laughs> say. My first couple of weeks, I came home and cried every day because oh. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, so tell me about those first couple of weeks. What was what uh, was so hard? Well, the, the very hardest thing, I think, was that everybody thought I was a supply teacher. And because every school has so many supply teachers, they are acknowledged but not really welcomed that well. Um, my induction wasn't fabulous. Um, I wasn't introduced to the only other cover teacher there because... I don't think she was brilliant and they didn't want me to learn very much from her. Um, so I was sort of left alone. And then an amazing drama teacher from years ago swooped in and said, darling, are you permanent here? And I said, I am. And she said, oh, my goodness, come meet some people. Um, <laughs> and from that moment on, I was welcomed into the school and embraced and loved. 
Yeah, but that, actually that's that's quite a sad thing that you mentioned there in passing, that that's how it feels. You you know, you've got an experience of what it feels to be treated as supply and that, that's not good, is it? No, well, I think people, teachers are so busy and the, the free time they have is either dedicated to preparing for their next lesson or nurturing friendships they have. So to then make time for uh, somebody who's going to be there maybe for a day or for a week um, doesn't doesn't tend to happen. Um, so I made it. I absolutely made it my business in the very f- in the few years I was the first few years I was there to um, to welcome <laughs> maybe too effusively any any supply teacher or cover teacher or anybody new in the in the staff room um, because I think staff rooms can be quite an intimidating place for. For anyone who hasn't been in them before um, mm. and, and there was the worry whose cup am I using whose seat am I sitting in um, so I, I just wanted to make it a welcoming environment yeah no that is so weird I still notice that now and I vividly remember in my first training placement we you know there were quite a lot of us and we all sort of came in and sat down in the staff room and in a, you know in some seats yeah and and then in in a meeting a bit later somebody you know who was sort of doing the training said um Yes. Yeah, so as it happened today, you all sat down in the seats where I can't remember which you named a department sit. And, you know, we also looked at each other. It was made quite clear yes, that, that, you... that, that we, we'd annoyed them. <laughs> how, how are we meant to know? Yeah, if we don't exactly. know. It's incredible, isn't yeah. it? Um, yeah. And, and mm. God forbid if you sit in the TA seats. I mean, that, that would have been disastrous. <laughs> yes, they actually sort of have them sort of individual, individual seats, don't they? <laughs> they do, yes. Um, it's absolutely. So... What would you say, so obviously your first two weeks were, were really tough for all sorts of reasons, but it is a tough job generally. So it, is. And, it wasn't helped by the fact it was December as well. I think I started on oh. something like the 5th of December. Oh, um, so everybody in school was on their knees yeah. and um, they were dragging themselves through to Christmas. And um, yeah, so that, that really didn't help. Um, so sorry, I, I missed your question. Uh, well, what what is it that's that's most difficult about the job? Would you say? Um, not knowing generally from day to day what's going to happen, so it's very much a question of being on one's toes. Um, and then that's where the the confusion in my mind kicks in because I really like that spontaneity as well. Um, but it really is a question of walking into a classroom and having no idea, particularly in the early days, absolutely no idea what I was going to meet. So I didn't know the students, I didn't know the staff, I didn't know the curriculum. Um, so for the first year or so, it was it was very very tricky. Um, yeah, so I, I think that was the the, the hardest thing initially. Mm. And you obviously you stayed in one school for a long time. Did you feel after a certain amount of time that the students started accepting you as a member of staff? Or would you say you were still treated differently? No, I was absolutely a member of staff. And it's funny, actually, because it, it that was a, a double edge. So the, the very positive side of that was being referred to as a teacher and, you know, out and about in public, people would, uh, students would introduce me to their parents as a teacher in school. Um, and for a number of reasons, I didn't um, become a teacher. So I, I wasn't a qualified teacher, but I was recognised by the students as one. Mm. So that was the very positive side. And that made, you know, that that, that gave me a great sense of, um, of achievement. Um, but equally, the students would see me coming and as one, they'd go, yay, we've got cover. And then they go, oh, it's you. Um, <laughs> because they knew me. Um, and they knew they weren't going to get an easy ride from me. Um, so yes, they, they I absolutely was a, a recognised member of the of the staff. 
Mm. But you see, I, again, that that I, it's a shame because I think I can't remember. It might have been Barry Smith who said recently, um, you you know you are only as good as um, your school is your school's behaviour is only as good as how they treat a, a cover or a supply. Oh, absolutely. And I think that says to me. I mean, most schools aren't there. A hundred percent, most schools aren't there. And I think our school isn't there um because and and i've even felt it as a as a teacher going in you know they'll sort of look at you and go oh are you teaching us miss in other words oh we've got somebody different Um, yeah we've got an an easy hour now um and Mm. then they would and then they would really resent me because they didn't get the easy hour that they expected and even after you know a lot of the students I knew for the, the entirety of their school career and even in year 11 having known me since year 7 they would still be disappointed because they hadn't got that easy ride and it was um it was it was quite funny uh, you know in that respect that they still thought they could get away with it and i i wonder if it's because, because they, they can, can with, with others. others yeah yeah absolutely i think we've got um Kathy Weston joining us who is going to be my guest next week hello Kathy hello Emma how are you I'm very well. How are you? Wonderful, thank you. Nice to be on and speaking to you. Ah, so are you joining in our chat about um, supply? Yes, I was just, it's fascinating, you know, how I think one of the things I've been reflecting on is how hard supply teachers work and how, you know, the general lack of appreciation I think they get um, from pupils and maybe colleagues as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah, do you do you feel that's the case, Liz? Um, from a from a student point of view, um, there was there was um, a lack of appreciation sometimes. I mean, most of the time, I had a great relationship with with the majority of the students, so that didn't. You know, I, I think I was appreciated, just slightly resented. But from a staff <laughs> point of view, um, I once I was settled and had my feet under the desk and and knew every. I, I made it my business to get around the school and get to know everybody in school. It seemed like a, a beneficial thing for me and for my colleagues. Um, so I I absolutely was appreciated. I knew I was. There were times when things were thrust at me because there was no choice and I had to get on with it. But generally, I was very much appreciated. Mm. Yeah. And of course, you you took on other roles as well, didn't you? You very much became part of the fabric of school life. Yes. Were, there, were those foisted on you or was that something you really wanted to do? No, it's something I wanted. The, the issue with cover um, is that I didn't ever feel that anything was actually mine. Um, so I might have a, situ- a situation where I did a couple of weeks for somebody who was on long-term absence and felt that, like that was my job, my role, and then it would, would go again. Um, so I didn't, there was no um, feeling of ownership of anything, um, which some people would argue is a great thing to have in a school because I can, you know, I could drop everything. Um, but equally, I wanted some kind of ownership. So I um, I pursued the DV role um, then I also, oh, I also pursued being a tutor, a form tutor, which I, I loved. Um, and then for one reason or another, that was taken away, I think because um, I was unqualified and therefore was being paid extra for it. And I think it was a money saving exercise at one point years and years ago. Mm. Um, so then I did have other jobs foist upon me. Um, so um, I was persuaded to take the head of um, house role, which actually, although I fought against it, I really, really enjoyed. But I found that by doing DV and head of house, that got me that the students then saw me in a different light and had more respect for me because they saw me in other roles rather than just cover. 
Yes, because it, it, it is, it's then they see you leading, don't they? Yes, I think absolutely. That, that with DOV is particularly powerful. Yeah. And I used to go on trips as well. I did many, many trips. So they would then see the fun side of me rather than just the strict cover supervisor side of me. Mm. So so would you class yourself as, as, as pretty tight on discipline, Liz? Uh, super tight on discipline yeah <laughs> it's the only way the job can work if uh, it's one of those give them an inch and they will take everything they'll suck me dry so I really really had to be as as strict as I could be um so that we could get the job done I, I'm one of those people if a job's worth doing it's worth doing well and I wanted to do it well um and the indication of doing it well was to get the work done to get the students to have done the work by the end of the lesson and the only way that could happen was if if they were actually working rather than throwing i mean at the very early days of me being covered there was the the um the craze was for them to chew up bits of tissue and spit them through a straw and i remember one day just looking around at the board so i was talking to the students turn around and then the whole of the whiteboard was covered in these spits bits of spat tissue and i thought how oh, how on earth i had no way of knowing who was doing it yeah. um but that didn't last for very long i think once they knew me as a person and knew my you know that I was going to be strict that did stop but they they really were were capable of taking the mickey yeah that is horrible isn't it yeah we've got somebody in the texting in saying good grief and I'm not surprised um, <laughs> yeah, but, but that was very that was 15 years ago and actually yes. discipline changed considerably from the very early days um I know mean, I, I was only sworn at badly once in my whole career there which is extraordinary really I expected it more somebody actually you know looked me in the face and told me where to go um sadly she then stormed off and managed to catch herself on the PE gate the gate to the astroturf and hurt herself which I think might have been a little bit of karma coming her way but um, <laughs> she was a very unhappy young woman but that so discipline got so much better um that then I didn't you know, I didn't discipline within the school got better, so I didn't need to worry quite so much. Yes, and did you feel so? For example, an incident like that, did the school treat it with the seriousness that that it deserved? Yeah, I always felt that I was really, really well supported. So if if there was an incident, if I had to call a patrol or um, if I you know wrote anything on the cover sheet. I, I would say 90% of the time it was dealt with really well. There were a few members of staff who'd, I'm not, I'm not convinced a few members, members of staff even read my notes on the cover sheet, um, but the majority, the great majority dealt with it really well. And sometimes I'd put something down at the end of a lesson, I think, right, that'll teach you, and then find that they were really quite you know, heavily disciplined because of it, and think, or maybe, maybe I overreacted there. But yeah, the school really, really supported me in everything. Mm. I think um, I think I th that's really really good to hear. I think really where schools need to go though is is much more planning and thinking about what happens when a lesson is covered. Um, there was a there was a thread on Twitter by Tom Bennett um, last week or the week before, um, which of course I jumped on and got very excited and said, "Oh, you know, I'm doing a show," and he yeah. completely ignored me. But there we go. <laughs> um, but he said um, that he'd seen a package of routines. In, in some schools where students were taught how to behave in cover lessons. So they were taught how, firstly, they were taught how important every lesson was. So like, you know, every, le every lesson counts, that kind of philosophy. Yeah. And then also they were given specific roles. So there were clear 
concrete actionable tasks he said hand out the books locate the equipment That's give the amazing. supply teacher the seating plan return the equipment tidy the room be honest thought, as well yeah and yeah. so so actually you say about seating plans is so important because they they work they're, they're such an essential tool but equally I got undone by seating plans so many times because I would look at it I'd know the students and say uh, no Fred you don't sit next to Tom you sit next to Mary and Fred would say no I've, I was moved last lesson and I'd say oh no you weren't it clearly says here that you sit next to Tom and then Mary would say no Missy was moved to sit next to me and then because you know, it might not have been a class that I trusted hugely. I wouldn't know who was being honest, and and I would try and stick with the seating plan. Um, so, if a, you know, one of my biggest tips would be that if a seating, if if the plan changes, change it on the cover plan as well. So, because we used to spend too much time arguing about who should sit where, where it should be really that should be the first thing that happens. Really clear. Sit down. You know where you sit. I know where you sit. Let's do it. Mm. And it, that communication between the regular teacher and the cover teacher is so important we've got Sobia saying um texting in saying I prefer cover or supply leaving me messages as I can deal with things afterwards yeah we have folders on the staff shared area with seating plans cover work already in place which we now do as well I think you know we're, we're sort of catching up with that and it I certainly really appreciated it we've got a fantastic um cover supervisor at the moment she gave really detailed notes on my lessons and it was so helpful That's brilliant that is brilliant the, the only thing with those folders with the notes in uh, the, the, the seating plans in I mean I remember looking at one and there were three students on there or two students who'd left you know a, a few months ago and <laughs> and thinking this you know yes somebody has clearly done a seating plan and they've popped it in the folder as they were supposed to but it hasn't been looked at again um, and it, it's just keeping all the resources up to date and I recognize how I your cities you know you've got so much so many other jobs to be doing as well but ultimately it makes and I think it makes the students lives easier because they know where the line is and it mm. you know and it's fair for them as long as it's fair they 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 don't mind it's when things aren't fair that they understandably get very upset I think that's really really true now I mean earlier you mentioned some pretty shocking behavior and I know that Kathy works very closely with schools and with with parents and do you what are your views on the kind of behavior that cover teachers sometimes see Kathy oh we still got Kathy oh no she might have disappeared oh, all right <laughs> we may not get her views that's all right ah. um so um yeah so but I mean shocking behavior and I think certainly if I knew that had happened in a, a lesson that was being covered for me that is something I would very much want to deal with and and certainly would want parents involved I mean that yeah that to me is just shocking well really, behavior really used shocking. to range from the from the cheeky to the taking advantage to the downright rude um and mostly the the downright rude changed after a couple of years of me being there I mean mm. I remember um because in the very early days when I was there there were no photos to accompany anything so I would um, asked somebody what their name was and I remember one one guy telling me his name was um, oh he said I'll spell it out for you and he spelled out Tom Cruise and I looked up and went really and he thought he'd been so clever you know he was I don't know, he was one of those lads who tried to be the class clown um, and and they just will take the mickey as far as they can 
Um, and that's and that's why I think that supply teachers going into school have kind of got a thankless task because at least eventually even the very tricky students I had a relationship with and I knew and they knew I knew them as well and I knew the best techniques to deal with them um, so we would rarely have any kind of a blow up but to, to just go absolutely into a school that they'd never been into before and meet new students must be very daunting. Mm, oh totally I mean I have to say the thought of doing supply work like in that way in the in the sort of what I call the proper way, you know, as yes, yeah. going in blind. I mean, I I've obviously regularly fantasise about retiring early, like we all do. And then I think, well, if I went back to my current school and, you know, that would be fine. You know, there'd be no problem because I know everybody and yeah. I know the kids and I know the systems. And But the thought of just walking in cold to a school. And that's why I think that that thread about, you know, schools need to have a system and have, have the students trained in how to behave in this context, yeah, I think is, yeah. is amazing. I, I love that idea of, of, of giving the students ownership as well. And there will always be, I always used to find one or two who'd say, uh, Miss, he doesn't sit there, all the books are over there. But it was very ad hoc. So I love the idea of, of, because I think giving students responsibility like that gives them ownership and then that makes them responsible and enjoy it. Um, it does, yeah. And, it, and then it then stops them also being the, the snitch because that actually is their role. So the rest of the class don't, take umbrage at them telling the, the supply exactly teacher. that's really important isn't it because otherwise like you say you're relying on certain students who then that's an awful pressure on them because they want to do the right thing but then yes, yes. The, the, the rest of the class if they're not drilled well this is how it is and and we support each other so um, I remember I remember students saying Shh, don't tell her or <laughs> you know oh don't don't tell her where the books are because the longer that they could be without their books the better it was for them yes because <laughs> then they wouldn't yes. have to do any work because they yeah. have to do double the following lesson I know I know but they never learn do they, they <laughs> <absolutely never. laughs> oh this is so great well um later on we're going to be joined by um Helen uh, Pipe who started she started life as a cover supervisor and I think did it almost as long as you but then she did make the shift into teaching wow. so she's going to join us um, which is very exciting um, so I hope you will stay with me partly to meet Helen but also because after the news we have the first in my regular slot teachers confess Ooh. and it's a good one if you have something to confess in total confidence, then do send your confession to me. My DMs are open on Twitter, so you can contact me in private at Emma underscore C underscore Williams. I must get an easier name. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Today's confession involves a, biolo a biology lesson, an NQT, and some very intimate diagrams. So don't go anywhere. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Scotland, the largest teaching union, the EIS, has rejected the latest pay offer to Scotland's teachers of 1.22%. Des Morris, EIS salaries convener, said, The latest revised offer from the Scottish Government and COSLA is derisory. With inflation currently running at around 4%, 
we have already made very clear to the employer's side that we will not accept an offer of 1.22% for our members. For COSLA and the Scottish Government to then take weeks to come back with essentially the same offer with some minor cosmetic window dressing is an insult to the professionalism and hard work of every teacher in Scotland. A salary claim for 2021-22 was made over a year ago for between 3 and 5%. A spokesman for COSLA said, we remain in constructive dialogue. The head teacher of a school in Gwynedd in North Wales has faced threats after trying to recover £1,800 worth of debt by refusing to feed children whose accounts are in debit. Mr Foden, in an interview with ITV Wales, said, I have only been the strategic head teacher since the middle of June, but this, I gather, has been going on since November or December last year. What's been happening is a number of parents have been running up debts. The school has a policy of texting them every Friday to remind them they need to pay. When that failed, they were sent letters. But when that failed, it doesn't seem like anything else has happened. Mr Foden went on to say, I've had threats. I've had people say they know where I live. We've had verbal abuse in the foulest terms. And some of that has been directed at the office staff as well, which has been completely unacceptable. A spokesperson from Gwynedd Council said, We apologise for the worry and concern caused by the content and wording of a recent letter to parents regarding school dinner payments. This has been your Weekend News. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Welcome back. It's now time for my regular feature, Teachers Confess. Do you have something you'd like to get off your chest? Something you said? Something you did? Something you forgot? We all have them and they can haunt us forever. So if you'd feel better bearing your soul to the nation, then this is the place to do it. My DMs are open on Twitter, so you can contact me on there. Or if you'd rather email, just ping me a tweet and I'll happily send you my email address. So today's confession is from a biology teacher whom I will call Jennifer. When I was in NQT, I taught a lovely visually impaired student. Let's call him Cameron. I was teaching human reproduction and I was delivering a lesson on the male and female reproductive systems. 
Callum's diagrams had all been modified so that they were the raised line type diagrams that visually impaired students use. We were doing some general Q&A and I'd asked the question, what is the name of the tube that can connects the testes to the penis? Lots of hands went up. One of them was Cameron's. Unfortunately, he gave the wrong answer. So I said, thank you so much for answering, but unfortunately your answer wasn't quite right. Then without thinking, I said, go back and feel your penis again. None of the class picked up on what I'd said, but the TA caught my eye and that was it. Neither of us could stop laughing. I ended up having to stand in the corridor as I couldn't stop crying with laughter and the lesson couldn't continue until I'd pulled myself together. So what do we think, Liz? Should she be forgiven for <laughs> this outrageous faux pas? I was there in that classroom imagining <laughs> what that would be like. Oh, my goodness. Oh, we've all done it. It's like yeah. just open the mouth, the words come out, the brain kicks in, and then you think, oh, my goodness, why did I do that? <laughs> so yeah. what, a, what a great thing to look back on. But interesting that none of the students No, that is kind interesting, isn't it? it. It's our phenomenal humour. <laughs> I know. Well, and I wonder whether they would now, because she, uh, she, she was an NQT and she implies that was quite some time ago. Um, but then again, I've had English teachers tell me when they're teaching Romeo and Juliet and there's the, you know, my naked weapon is out oh, yes. scene, and they just draw thy tool. And, and the kids are like, well, he means his sword, miss. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes. I think they're a lot more and innocent. <laughs> I think they are a lot more innocent than we give them credit for. I and, think they are. And maybe their humour is very specific to you know what they're. I was going to say what they're exposed to. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think right. Okay, we're, Liz and I clearly need time to recover. Um, so I'm going to briefly uh, play now a clip. So Victoria wasn't able to join us for the live show. Um, but Victoria, um, again, incredibly experienced um, supply uh, or cover supervisor, rather. Um, and she is just about to make the move into teaching. So we're going to um, listen to Victoria and then hopefully we'll get Helen on the line and then Helen, Liz and I can have a chat. So here is Victoria Lane, who I spoke to earlier this week. Hi, Victoria. Hello, Emma. Hello. So tell me, you have been, I believe, a cover supervisor for quite a while. Yes, um, for about 15 years now. Um, it was a job that I kind of fell into. Um, I needed a part-time job around um, my daughter that I recently had. Um, and this is about 2004. So she was born in 2004. So I started cover supervising in 2006. Um, I did some work with my local school as an exam invigilator. And um, they um, had an opening for a science technician. So I was like, yep, that's quite cool school hours as well. Um, but they were like, actually, with the experience you've got and the education level that you're at, um, how about cover supervisor? There was enough, nothing that I'd ever thought of doing. Um, and I just fell into it. And yeah, I, Working in schools is, is a really, really good move. I'm glad I did it, but it yeah, wasn't anything I'd ever considered before. Ah, so but so you hadn't thought about teaching as a career and then you just No, not at all. I hadn't even got a clue what I was gonna do after um because I had my daughter whilst I was at uni, so I didn't finish off my degree. Yeah. Um so yeah, I had hadn't actually thought about what I was gonna do after the degree, let alone 
not finishing it and <laughs> how I was going to support myself. Uh, yeah. I was, so how far did you get through your degree before you left? Oh, uh, I was in my uh, second attempt at a different degree. Uh, I, I'm a bit flighty. I'm a bit like uh, interested in something sometimes and then like, like it gets a bit difficult and then I moved. Uh, <laughs> so I was doing a geological hazards degree and then I moved to doing sports science degree. Um, and then I had my daughter. Um, so I didn't finish that, but I wanted to carry on with the geography. Um, but at the point of, you know, earning money and trying to get life on track and everything, it just wasn't ever one of those priorities. Um, but it has been over the last uh, four years having to sort it out because it was coming to the end where they couldn't use my transfer credits and I'd have to start all over again. So I was like, oh, definitely have to definitely have to use them now. Ah, uh, so it's a bit of a now or never because yes, you you are now doing your degree with a view to going into teaching. I believe. Yes, so I'm doing my degree in um, open STEM with the um, Open University, um, and so most of the credits are to do with geography. So I was able to transfer the geography um, credits over, um, also some of the um, maths and physics credits over from my sports science degree. Um, so I only I was only left with having to finish off 180 credits. Um, so they've been filled up with environmental studies, and at the moment I'm doing international politics in an inter, um, in environmental policy. So that's wow, fun. that's amazing. So really, this job you fell into is now going to define your career, which is yeah, very much so. Which is just absolutely fantastic, and got you to finish that degree and. So it's it's kind of been a bit of a bit of a major thing for you, I guess. Yeah, major work in progress. It's taken a long time to chisel and and, and settle me down and get myself focused. But uh, I'm in my last year of it now, so here's hoping we get a good grade at the end of the year and I can move on and move on to either looking for somewhere to do uh, an assessment only route into geography, um, or I'll have to do a PGCE, whichever one um, seems to work out at the time. Yeah, and what? I'm thinking that you are going to have some major advantages over other trainees um, because of the work that you've done. What, what experience do you think being a cover supervisor is going to bring to your training and, and your teaching career? Oh, bundles and bundles of confidence, um, which <laughs> is going to be like one of those blessings, curses in disguise, really. Um, so confident. I, I get this feedback quite a lot that I'm very confident, but um, I think that because I've been doing different tasks for so long and and what's worked for me so far it might bite me on the backside when I come to doing a, a training situation where they expect a certain level but um over the years I've been looking at the teacher standards and seeing where I've been picking up where I still need to work on and um find you know gathering evidence as I've gone along anyway so I do have a big folder full of this is how I can um, evidence teacher standards for the um, assessment only anyway um but yeah, but I've always kept my eye on it just to make sure that, you know, everything that I'm doing has got a focus, even though mm. it seems like it's quite chaotic. There is a slight focus somewhere in the back of my mind um, where I'm keeping all of this evidence together. Yeah, amazing. So if you had um, a piece of advice, one piece of advice or more than one, if you like, a uh, piece of advice for teachers who are setting cover, what should we be bearing in mind? Uh, you've got to bear in mind how confident that person is walking into a classroom of even though they're your best students and you love them and you turn up to work every day um, they have 
worked that rapport with you over a significant time period and, and move it and bringing somebody else in with a different personality can be a major change for those students so i would say make the cover work as simple as possible in the first instance where it's literally just you give the students and their independent as much as possible um, and then that allows the cover teacher to spend the time with the students if they need to where they're just focusing on the actual student rather than focusing on any behavior or any um issues with the the work that's set there's too much for a cover teacher to have to do to to work on all of those things at the same time so if a uh, teacher setting cover can knock out all of those barriers then it can be more of a personal um experience for everybody and you get more pleasure out of it and you mm. feel like you've actually done a good job everyone feels more successful when they feel like they've done a good job and they haven't had to um, raise any issues with the with the situation yeah sounds like good advice and to finish what is the worst cover situation you think you've ever been in wow uh it, there are some really tricky situations but all for different reasons um some of it is because i'm just not confident or i don't like that subject so if i yeah. was set to set to do a practical um in a subject like drama i'm out of my comfort zone immediately i don't know <laughs> what the rules are <laughs> in a drama classroom there are no tables and chairs to hide behind <laughs> yeah oh god no um, nightmare <laughs> yeah so yeah my my worst nightmare of a cover lesson is where i don't have control over what the students are doing where mm. i i'm literally like i don't know what you're supposed to do and i don't know how this would be carried out by your regular teacher um so they, that's just my personal um worst experience but in the schools that i've worked in they they know that and they try not to put me on those uh cover lessons where where they can <laughs> avoid it it's like we do actually need you to do this one today so i mean i can do it i will do it but if i can avoid it i won't <laughs> yeah no i think drama seems to come up quite a lot in people's cover horror stories unfortunately so yeah it's so varied and, and you know it's amazing that they can be so varied and they've got so many skills up their sleeves um but similarly they i'm sure they would they hate doing their classroom lessons so the lessons mm. where they have to sit at the table and like they feel like a, they're caged in a box don't they so yeah absolutely oh well thank you so much victoria it's been really really fantastic to meet you and oh, thank you very much absolutely best of luck with finishing your degree and and actually becoming a teacher which is so exciting excellent thank you so much I hope all right can. take care bye, bye thank you very much bye so it's so nice to meet victoria the other day and um uh, i think she's going to make a fantastic teacher so liz you were never tempted to become a full-time teacher did you think about it yeah in the very the very very early days i thought about it um my my educational history wasn't brilliant um and i had no um support encouragement my parents were very young when they had me i was packed off to a mediocre uh, boarding school um where i got very mediocre to terrible results um and and they weren't in any way interested in me going to university so i didn't i didn't go to university it wasn't something that was in my in my university like um so when i started school i had the the regrets of oh my goodness this should have been me i always wanted actually when i was at school to be a p teacher but i just thought i might just put on a pair of you know netball shorts and, and and do it um so i i didn't ever get to university therefore the the prospect of doing four years i so i was in my mid 
40s when I joined Working High. Um, so that the, the prospect of um, doing four years of university wasn't, wasn't very, um, um, I wasn't keen on it at that point. And then after about six or seven years, I looked back at my time and thought, I could have done it. By now, I actually could have done it. Um, but, but probably the reason I didn't go to university is the reason I didn't train and get qualified while I was at school. Um, so yes, I, I thought about it in the early days, then I didn't, then I did again. And then towards the end, I was thinking as everything was changing, oh my goodness, this is such a challenging job. And I wasn't sure at that stage in my life whether I had it in me then to actually be a full-time teacher with with everything else it involves. I love being in front of the, the, the kids. I love the teaching side of it. It was everything else that would have put me off yeah yeah well i'm i'm kind of hoping we've got helen with us I, it did pop up saying she's with us but i can't see her picture are you there helen i'm, I'm here can you hear hello. me hello hi. hi so hi, um hi, hi, <laughs> hi, helen. so um helen you did the full pathway is that right you were a cover supervisor for many years and now you're a teacher tell us um yes yeah, so i found a supervisor and um, didn't really know what i wanted to do after university um my mum worked at the school where I wanted, you know, local to us, wanted us to have the day for my graduation. The head asked what I was doing now, and my mum said, well, not much really. So I popped in um, for an informal chat, and I've been there since. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Um, so many times doing school supervisor, and then I did some unqualified, um, taking some little bits of timetable here and there, and then did a maternity cover, thought, um, and then did the direct salary route. Amazing. So do you think, um, so Victoria said that she felt she would be very confident mm -hmm. going in as a new teacher. Is that how you felt, or was it very different? I felt very, very young. I was just turned 21, and very. I was, I'm a very quiet person anyway. I just mm. thought, is this for me? Secondary school had it even crossed my mind. Secondary school ever. You know, I thought if I'm going to be teaching from a young age, I'd be thinking primary. Um, but you soon get your feet under the table, and I, I do think being a critical supervisor is chucking you at the deep end as well. Absolutely, it does. Yeah. It does. Yeah, I was actually that's a question I forgot to ask you, Liz. I'm very curious to know: Would you have considered primary, the primary setting, or did you just think secondary was the way forward? No, secondary. Um, my children had my youngest was still in primary school. My oldest was in secondary, and what was that? Six years of primary school with my children. There was enough to make me realise I really didn't want to work in that setting. <laughs> they're, they're still so needy. Um, mm. uh, whereas the you know, senior school, at, at least they can do their own shoes up and take themselves off to the bathroom on their own. <clears throat> yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I think that's sort of how, how I feel. <laughs> yeah. I was just listening to Victoria, actually. She was wonderful. And um, it, it, was, it was interesting how different we all are because while she was talking, I absolutely agreed with the keep it simple, you know, initially keep it simple so that cover supervisors can get it. I remember going into a, I think it was probably a, a language lesson and I had to copy by hand onto a board something like 20, oh, 15 different um, tasks that the students had to do. Oh um, and it was, it, and I, so I had to write it and then go back up to the top of the board because there was too much to get on. And that's a really difficult thing to do because that means having my back or half my back to the class. Mm. 
and trying to get them going, get them started. So I found that quite challenging. But then I, I also, she made me smile because as she was talking, I thought, I love practical lessons. And one of my <laughs> favourites, I loved drama lessons and I loved practical DT. So it just does prove that cover supervisors come in all shapes and sizes and what she said about school putting her into or not putting her into practical lessons is really important and our school absolutely would would send me to more practice I did a lot of PE I did a lot of drama a lot of DT because that's where my strengths lie um so I think it's important that schools recognise that and then send their cover supervisors where possible. I mean, don't get me wrong, I did do maths lessons and they weren't <laughs> my forte. Um, but yes, practical wherever possible was what I loved. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that is the ideal, isn't it? Um, I mean, of course, at the moment, schools are struggling hugely to have um, to get supply and to get cover. And, and, and certainly our school is, is struggling with that. They're proactively looking but um but we are really tight hence you know yeah. my horror at, at, at being off work for for so long because i fully understand the pressure that they're they're under but obviously the ideal is that yeah when when that isn't the extreme situation that yes they will use their supply teachers and their their regular cover teachers in in the most appropriate way helen what was your preferred kind of cover did you like the practical or, or the set lessons so I'm completely offended Victoria. Avoid anything that involves students coming out of their chairs. <laughs> um, so yeah, that control element. Um, so I avoided yeah. anything like drama, music. Um, but at our school, they put us into departments or faculties. Uh -huh. And we became part of that team, which I thought was really nice. That is really good, yeah. And I have to say, I mean, I have... Um, I mentioned that Tom Bennett thread earlier. Um, and of course... Um, even though he ignored me, uh, I got he did still get lots of replies with people sharing their their cover horror stories, which is actually what I wanted because I think as soon as you say the word cover, <laughs> everyone just starts piling in. Um, and I have to say that drama and maybe music um, get get quite a bashing uh, in terms of nightmare covers. Um, here's one example. Uh, Chris Baker, who used to be a cover supervisor. Chris, you could have been on the show. Um, he said, uh, this is the cover. Okay, see what you think of this. Year eight are rehearsing their soap opera scenes. <laughs> and wait for it. This is the crucial bit. They know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> I so think that familiar. phrase is just <laughs> dreaded, isn't it? They know what to do. Really? But the, but the thing is, they did know what to do. Um, so I would sort of, I'd read the cover sheet out to them and go, you're rehearsing your soap opera um, pieces. And then I'd sort of pause and go, you know what to do? And they'd go, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. And they'd get off, set off into their groups. And seven out of the nine groups would be really into it, knowing what they're doing. There'd be always one group sitting in the corner on the windowsill, not doing anything, who'd need chivying along. One group would say, we've got three of us aren't here. I'm on my own. So I'd just try and sort of get them to get involved. But the thing that used to make me laugh with drama lessons, and it was normally year eight and year nine boys, regardless of the topic, so it could be soap opera, they would have swords and they would yeah. be fighting with each Standard. other. And I'd say, yeah. what are you yeah. doing? Oh, it's part of our show. How can it be? You know, you're doing, you're doing soap operas. Oh, no, no, we fight. 
okay. So they always, it was the only chance they had in their very structured school life to actually fight with each other. Um, and so I'd, I'd just watch with horror and think, surely you can't be allowed to do this. Yeah, well, according to Mrs. Eddie 1974 on Twitter, she had a cover that said, practice the fight scene in Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> Oh my Good goodness! Boys, year eight drama. Was... <laughs> oh well, they they I bet they absolutely loved it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, this is I think this is even better. Mike Murray said, "I once covered a drama lesson that the instructions consisted of a small piece of paper stuck to the desk with, we're doing Shakespeare written." <gasps> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, it, didn't, it didn't even say the play. Oh my goodness. So, that's when you absolutely rely on it being a good class and then and and, abs- and what um I, I think what uh, Victoria said about the the teacher knows their students so well and has such a good rapport with them um and that doesn't always carry over into a cover lesson sometimes it does but it doesn't always so it is it's important for the teacher to know that those that are absolute darlings for them won't necessarily be so for a cover teacher yeah yeah, I think that's very true. Um, let's find another classic. Uh, let them watch Reach for the Stars Part 7 video. Thanks. <laughs> Where is it? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. the technology and doesn't work. This is from Paul Cochran, and he said uh, he checked the video and it was seven minutes long. Oh, my goodness. So, I mean, I don't know how long the lessons were in that school, but I'm guessing they were longer than, longer than seven. seven minutes. Oh. <laughs> Or um, watch, it's on the system, play this video, um, it's an hour long. And I know it's an hour long because that's always the cover set and I've seen that video 10 times. And I just sit there and go, oh my goodness, here we go. It's the same video again. Um, So was that actually your worst nightmare? Would you rather have done like got involved and done a practical cover lesson than sat and watched the video? I'd rather do anything than watch the video for the 10th (laughs) time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I would much rather be busy and practical with the students um uh, i mean there were there were times if i had lots going on in my other field of work then it would suit me to have them sitting being very independent for 40 minutes and getting on with their work but generally i really really appreciated getting involved with what was going on um so so ironic you know it's not ironic but a pe lesson um i would love being outside I don't know, doing a tennis lesson or a netball lesson or something like that. I, I came unstuck occasionally where it was take, you know, take the girls for football because I didn't really know enough about football at the beginning or basketball. I've never played basketball in my life. Um, but the, <laughs> the, um, the benefits of being somewhere for a long time is eventually I did learn drills and, and, and I learned skills and tips that teachers have in their toolbox. Um, mm. But I, I think that's one of the hardest things coming in as a cover supervisor, having not done the training we don't have the the toolbox that teachers have um and so we we have to build it ourselves and and sometimes i discovered that i was using the wrong tool for the job and it, it took me a while uh, watching other lessons to work out how to do it so I, I think as well if cover supervisors can observe good lessons that's really really valuable but not always pr- possible in a busy school yes indeed what did you get that opportunity then to observe i, I did at the beginning um and then I was very lucky to be co-tutor with an amazing teacher so I watched her citizenship lessons and learned a lot from her um and then during quiet moments I would ask if I could go and observe um and that would come up in my appraisal as well you know could I could I do some more observations um 
or, or just even you know being in the corridor and seeing the way teachers are with students just it, that being able to learn from others I think is is vital mm, yeah I think that's that's really true um and it, it's good I wonder how many cover supervisors do get that opportunity um you know whether that's normal or whether you were quite lucky there yeah I, I really sorry Helen you say I am um, I observe a lot of lessons um, right, yeah, and it, and your school supported you in so that. Useful. Yeah, um, and I also found out just looking through books, being nosy, got to <laughs> so much as well. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's fantastic. I, I, I think so. Obviously, it's a massive part of teacher training is is observing, taking notes, thinking proactively. Like Victoria, what, uh, what's this teacher doing at university? I had a big folder of everything. That I'd yeah. Done notes I've made and standards and trying to get involved with everything, school production, going to watch everything, getting seen and about well, it was really useful. Mm. Yeah, it's really, really good to hear that, that that goes on and certainly you I think you can see it in the quality of your supervi your supervisor that, you know, you, you actually it's worth it's worth the school investing, isn't it? It's worth them giving you that time and support because they will get it back. Yeah. A, you'll stay, uh, which is hugely important, and B, you'll you'll skill up, you'll you'll be better at what you do, which benefits all of us. Yeah, I agree. So, here's um, somebody. Uh, I could have saved this for a confession, actually, but it's a bit short. Um, somebody confessing to um, a cover that they set, which is was unusual in the replies. Um, I'm assuming they're a biology teacher. There's a theme here. Uh, left a huge jar of snails. For a poor chap to look at their biology i don't oh, um, and his only comment on which he does not elaborate is who knew snails can be quicker than you'd think <laughs> there were snails leaves, everywhere <laughs> <laughs> the image that leaves in my head of what exactly happened in that lesson oh, let's hope none of them got squashed oh no i wonder if they were hunting for them for weeks yeah i imagine so i bet i bet a few students took them home in their bags <laughs> <laughs> now i wonder if this has happened to either of you because i'm pretty sure it's happened to me when i've done cover the worst work I've ever had set, says Sally Harley, was several years ago now, consisted of a scrappy piece of paper with continue work from yesterday. Oh, yeah. I hadn't covered the class the day before, mm -hmm. so therefore had no idea what they'd done. Mm -hmm. Does that happen a lot? <laughs> yeah, I had that a lot when I was in. Yeah. What about you, Liz? Grossly looking back through the books. Yeah. yeah, and the other problem with carry on is they're all at different stages. Um, so there's, and I had no way of knowing where they should be at. So carry on, Finish. you know. And where 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 does the teacher want them to get to? It's it's far too woolly. Mm. Um, yeah, that's that's a very very difficult one. Um, and that basically involves them just get on with it. But but it's not going to help the teacher either because by the time they get back, they're all going to be at different stages as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe slightly better than this one, though. Read the Bible. Cool. Period 7 Friday. Oh. Hey-ho, that's <laughs> going to go down really well. <laughs> yeah, again, you know, any particular section? No, dip um, in. Where have you fancy? Yeah, pick your favourite. Yeah. Um, My other favourite one was um, 
do this lesson and it's beautiful cover and everything was laid out perfectly. All the resources were there. The books were there. Everything was perfect. Give it all out. Get the students going. This is your lesson. And a hand comes up and says, we did this last week. Uh, and I, yeah. And I say, oh, no, you didn't. It's cover. No, 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 you haven't done this. They say, we have. And I thought, oh, here we go. They're trying to pull the wool over my eyes. So I said, right, well, can you bring me my book, your book and show me? And sure enough, they have done exactly that lesson the previous work, week. So what, what do you do then? Well, then I my default is to um, go to the head of department or ask, you know, find another teacher. Where should we be? But with some departments, there's nobody else. There is no other member of staff around. Um, so it's it's that's a really really difficult situation to be in. Um, and I have been known to use the textbooks and just move on to the next page. Just say right, okay, we'll we'll move on. This is obviously where you have done. Let's move on. But that's really difficult because I, I don't know if the teacher wants that to happen, if they're ready for them to get to that stage. I don't have enough knowledge about the subject to be doing that. I mean, what, what I used to do was read a paragraph ahead in my mind. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd silent read on and just try and read faster than they could to just be a paragraph ahead of them if they were asking questions. And that really is 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 kind of going by the it, it, literally flying by the seat of your pants. It's quite scary doing that. It, it is incredibly difficult as well. I mean, I mean, if you think, if I think of all the recent stuff we've done on cognitive load and how it's basically border, bordering on impossible to do that. So it's an incredibly challenging position to put your your cover teacher in. Now, something we haven't talked about so far, but Sophia has texted in saying, um, making the point about the fact that obviously cover is generally set by someone who's very unwell. Yeah. Um, and I think, that's maybe something we ought, we ought to think about. And certainly, as I say, when I introduced the show, I, I recalled last time I was properly, properly ill. And that I, I, it was the, it's the only time in my whole career I've said, I, I can't do it. I'm yeah. too ill. I can't, you know. There was, there was one point of it trapped in the bathroom. Yeah. Um, there was one department in school that used to have, they had cover buddies. So they would set cover for each other which I thought was great, um, which meant that the member of staff who'd set the cover was in school and it was generally of good quality because the absent teacher wasn't having to do it from their sick bed. That does sound a really good idea. I mean, obviously it wouldn't work for me no. um, <laughs> on, on my lonesome. But I think, yes, certainly big departments, that would be a really good way of, of handling things. And Helen's already mentioned, obviously, she you know as a supervisor being attached to a department which again I think is a great idea for schools to do if they can um and I think I I guess also schools need again they need to think about it and plan for it and advise staff on okay if that member of staff is too unwell to set cover this is the default look at your knowledge organizer using retrieval practice you know there should be a sort of generic approach that's what i do in my department yeah a bank of guided reading tasks each year Uh uh, just linking loosely to the topic but not covering uh what they actually do i just a bit of a backup just in case worst case scenario the person is too poorly uh and i'll bet your background the the career route you've come maybe gave you that insight into planning for cover is am i right uh, yes, absolutely. Um, although, thankfully, I don't have much to cover recently. Um, it's nice to have that in the bank ready just in case, especially when sometimes 
and his apartment, I might be rushing around in the morning and I might not have time to get cover work for five periods for somebody. Mm. Yeah, and I think that kind of planning is, is powerful. Now we've actually, um, Victoria, who we heard from earlier, has texted in my last school, the science department had a cover folder laying yeah. out what textbook work married which topic if needed. And the science tech was able to just print uh, resources as needed. And that worked really well. That does work. The only issue then is if somebody's on long term sick, yes. um, then that's when work gets repeated. So either a, a topic is missed or it's set twice. Mm. Um, it's the it is the long term sick that causes the most problems, I think, because that you know we can deal with the day, and that day can be caught up. But yes. I mean, so in your case, two weeks away from school—that's two weeks of learning that those students have missed that has mm. got to be made up somehow. Um, so that I, I think the folders are great. The so there was one department in school that had a folder, and that was the default for cover, but it wasn't part of the curriculum it was just mm. the cover which then meant that it wasn't desperately important and I think the students knew that it wasn't particularly valid um, but also it meant that that work that they should have been done doing wasn't done. Yeah it's so difficult isn't it and certainly um, we have this situation in school right now with with more than one person on on pretty long-term mm. sick and, and it is it's it's and we've ended up actually completely rejigging the timetables so that you know those students don't suffer too much that they're they're actually getting a, a languages teacher there are certain subjects in particular that if that specialist teacher isn't there it, it, they just don't get taught for simple as whereas at least i don't know subjects like in the humanities you know it's a, maybe possible for some of it to be covered in at least a rudimentary way by a, a skilled supply or, or cover supervisor even if it's not their subject but you can't chuck somebody into a, a French or a Spanish lesson and go mm -hmm. um, off you go yeah. <laughs> it, it just isn't possible in fact some somebody one of the people who uh, responded on Twitter can't find it at the moment but they did mention a French lesson where the um, the instructions were in French and she said, um, and I don't speak French, and neither did the year sevens, or at least not to the standard that was required. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So uh, again, it, and that was one of my my tips actually, um, sort of like tips to teachers um, was assume the cover supervisor has limited knowledge of the subject, topic, or task, um, because and, and keep it simple, as Victoria said, because if if that assumption is there, then hopefully the cover supervisor will be able to pick it up and run with it. But if mm. if you know, I, I, as it happens, I, I it could do and enjoyed French lessons. That was fine. Couldn't do Italian, couldn't do um, Spanish. Um, but French and German, I had a rudimentary knowledge of, which I would also say probably, so probably my my um, confession is that how many times did my rudimentary knowledge maybe give the wrong information? <laughs> I look back now and think, Ooh, when I was doing, you know, well, well I know my, my maths lessons were terrible. And one of the TAs used to look at me every time and say, right, Mrs. King, shall I just explain how to do fractions? <laughs> oh, okay, so are you telling me we don't do the same to the top as we do to the bottom? Yeah. <laughs> she would be so lovely to me and she'd take over. Um, because there, there is this assumption that we all know everything there is to know about every subject and we don't. Mm. And I think even in subjects, I mean, I remember, remember doing an R cover once and I was absolutely petrified it basically said teach them perspective yes <laughs> and it had a drawing you know which obviously to the art teacher like yeah we'll get on with yeah. it and I was like 
sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. I genuinely can't do this. No. Well, for, I think for cover supervisor, Google is our friend. That's, I used to I used to say, right, OK, just let's get started. And I'd be frantically Googling what on earth this was about. Oh, just, I mean, it's so stressful. And again, it's that, that thinking on your feet, which I, I mean, just terrifies me. I'm very, I'm extremely, I like tight controls and I get very panicky if, um, if anything, you know, any of my sort of usual r- routines and structures are taken away from me. Um, I, I, I don't deal with it very well. Yes. <laughs> so, oh, just, just absolutely terrified. I'm actually getting the shivers thinking about some of these, these covers. Um, here's one. Oh, this is a good one. Drama again, but with a twist. The cover work was students to design, draw and colour in a golden ticket from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. The room had one yellow pencil. (gasps) (laughs) And that that is not enough work. No, I mean, how long was that supposed to last? That that will take, I mean, from experience, that would take take some students five minutes, some ten, and that would be it then. And then I'd start going, okay, lovely, right, well, okay, well, let's do, let's do the bed that they sleep in. Oh, let's, let's do the elevator, you know, trying <laughs> desperately to remember what the, you know, what the book, the play, the film is about. What can I remember? Yes. Mm, yeah. I mean, I, I don't actually, what are they learning as well? I mean, really? Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's not ideal, is it? And I, and again, it's part of that worry that, um, Tom Bennett in his thread mentioned about setting meaningful work rather than keep them busy work. And I think students know, I mean, they're not stupid, are they? They know when something's been yeah. set just to keep them occupied yeah. rather than having any value. Um, and if it's to be written on paper as well, I found that was always pupils knew it wouldn't be looked at again. Yes. Oh, oh it's going a bit. It's really disheartening <laughs> when you've really spent the letter really trying to get the students as good, good quality. That's it. I remember them saying, "You may as well just put that in the bin, Miss. They're not going to look at it." And thinking, "You must be joking. You've worked. You've worked hard. I've worked hard. Surely they're going to look at it. No, it's not going to happen." Yeah. No. I I think. I think that's very. I hadn't really thought about that, but I think you're absolutely right. When students, they're so canny, and I think they know if it's not going in their book, if it's just on a random piece of paper. They, they, in, well, they, in their experience, clearly, that isn't going to be treated with the same level of, of seriousness as if it, if it actually goes in their book as a record of what they've done. So, what do we think about RE covers, ladies? Um, one word on a scrap of paper: abortion. I mean, that was it, apparently. I mean, that's extraordinary. Isn't it? <clears throat> so, RE would be tricky. Um, because a lot of it, um, and when it moves into sort of philosophy and ethics, which is part of RE, would be very difficult because, you know, I used to get covered that, say, would be debate abortion. Okay, well, you know, how do I, how do I get you to, it's quite, it's actually very difficult as a non-practitioner to get a class of 30 students to debate um, it's incredibly difficult. This is something that I feel really strongly about because I've been thrown into covers like that before. And you, I, I think especially RE teachers who are obviously highly skilled in that area, it, it almost it kind of disrespects what they do to expect yes, the rest of us to be able to do it. Yeah. No, 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 you're really good at this. And, and I mean, watch a good RE teacher run a, a debate. It's, it's amazing. I mean, amazing. Yeah. And I can't do it. No. Absolutely can't do it. No. 
and I used to try and do the things that I'd watched. Um, so, okay, if you think this, go to this wall. If you think this, go to the other wall. Um, and then watch 30 kids stampede across the room and think, no, that's not what I had in mind. <laughs> get back to your seats, get back to your seats. Right, let's try and rethink this. And then I'd find myself desperately watching the clock. So if, if that did come up, I would... But see, then I'd try and find... This is also terrible. I'd try and find videos... That's really hard to do on off the you know on the hoof like that because I would not know what was going to come up in the video and I couldn't Absolutely. you know I mean a, a, an abortion video oh my god what am I going to find here yeah, yeah. that that it was was horrible mm. no you're right I mean again it's you know if you think of the amount of time we all talk, spend talking about how important planning your lesson is <laughs> and then we just expect all right off you go that like make it up on the spot I mean it, it it's just not going to not going to work is it no no and it's very difficult in that sort of situation as well as a non-practitioner to to try and not bring my own views into what we're discussing and and recognizing that i shouldn't um it, i used to find that incredibly challenging trying to be impartial while while i'm listening to people say things that i really didn't believe in yeah that, that, i used to find that personally very difficult yeah, again, something that I guess if you train as an RE teacher, that that's part of your, it's something that's discussed during training. and, oh, and Absolutely, you know, yeah. And they must spend a lot of time, you know, having to talk frankly about how you manage your own feelings and your own responses to things. Um, and and you know, again, if you watch a really good RE teacher, watching them play devil's advocate and bounce a different yes. back. And again, I, like you, I think I would really struggle with that. Um, and struggle to know like where's the line what's what's you know what what is the difference between slamming a student down for giving their view which we're told is is actually the worst thing you can do and tolerating hate speech I don't know totally and that's what an RE teacher knows and and the students know within those lessons what is and what isn't acceptable but I don't know that I don't have Mm. those you know that insight I don't have that experience yeah that that was challenging I certainly think that covers I've had over the years, I think anything that involves me leading discussion that I haven't prepped for. I mean, I, I'm, I'm quite happy teaching citizenship because I prep for it and I know this topic's coming up and I prepare. But I think just being thrown into a contentious subject and asked to run a debate or a discussion or off the top of your head on a busy day when you haven't got time to yeah. think about anything else, I think. Funnily enough, citizenship used to be the hardest lessons because they were tutor groups. Um, They would be more, I'd find them sometimes more challenging. Um, And I would find that teachers maybe didn't put as much planning into their citizenship lessons as they did into other lessons. So I'm shocked that you say that, Liz. I know you are. I know (laughs) you are. (laughs) True though it was. Um, Uh And that, that would be, well, quite often involved coloured pencils and paper and draw make a poster yes make mm. a poster mm. yes and again students know that that task yeah. is frankly borderline meaningless and therefore they're not going to to nope. give of their best are they nope. or at least most of them are no mm. yeah it's uh there i think lots of people in the in their replies about nightmares talked about the the blagging 
um, that is required. And I mean, sometimes it can really pay off. So Ella Elliott said, when I wet supply, I got given work that they'd done the day before, which you've mm-hmm. already mentioned. Uh, she said, I checked and yes, they had. I had to blag the lesson. Turned out to be one of my favourites as it was Brexit referendum day. Oh, and we had a mock vote and discussion. Yeah. Ah, I mean, I get actually my worst nightmare again, but she seemed to feel that it, it went fantastically. So I guess in the right context, if you're confident with the topic. Yes, exactly. And that's the other strangest thing about doing cover. There were some days where I'd get to the end of the day and think, oh, my God, I am terrible at this. I don't, you know, nothing went right, um, despite the fact everything was in place. And other days when I would have to blag and it would be incredible and I'd come home thinking I've nailed it. This is wonderful. Mm. Yeah. And that's the, the sort of the vagaries of maybe where my head was at at the time. <laughs> yeah. Did it? And so did that were the good days more frequent than the bad ones as you got more experienced? Yes. Yeah. I think probably what happened was at the beginning, there were more bad than good. Then there was the probably 10 years in the middle where it was mostly good. And then maybe towards the end, I, I do think that cover supervisors probably do have a, a lifespan. And I think by the end of it, I was coming to the end of, of that. It's it's a long time to do a job like, you know, like cover um, without ownership. That's interesting. Helen, what do you think? Does it? Did you yeah, reach I'll, a point where you thought you'd had enough of cover? Well, I think by having a couple of my own classes, I realised that I was quite, I was disappointed about doing cover and I was getting itchy feet. And I thought, I can't keep doing cover. I need to take some responsibility and ownership over some groups, which is when I decided to apply for schools that salaried. Mm. I think it does have a lifespan. Yeah. Mm. And it's interesting, I mean, maybe a, a bit of a dramatic analogy, but I do think it's similar. I know quite a lot of people who volunteered for the Samaritans and they say that, that the vast majority of Samaritans volunteers, again, there's, a, there's only so long you can do it for. And then you want to go and be a counsellor or do you actually want to do something? Whereas there's it, only so, sort of, so long that you can cope just sort of containing people's feelings and supporting them, and, but then not having any action or, or progress, if you like. Yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah, so I think, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, 12 years is a long time to stick it out, Liz. <laughs> yes, it was a long time. Um, but I, I'm sure you know I've moved from working with children now to working with, with old and vulnerable people, um, which is similar in as much as I don't know what I'm going to walk through the door to, um, mm. but very different um, working, working with older people. But it, it would appear that despite my best intentions, I like and I'm good at working with people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, did you do you feel that there were some skills that transferred to your new role as a carer? Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely being able to listen to people um, and 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 being kind to people and and that's you know what what cover is a lot being kind to the students to the teachers as well and recognizing that teachers are busy um, and and really importantly being kind to ourselves as well. Hmm. That's interesting. So do you feel it's a job that could take its toll if you didn't put up certain, I don't know, put up certain walls? Or... Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I learned quite quickly was not to take personally. I, I remember once a student years and years and years ago who I thought I'd made really great progress with. I covered him a lot and I really thought we, we had um, 
a connection. He was a very challenging student. And um, then one day something obviously wasn't going right for him and he was vicious to me. He was vile. And I, I felt really wounded and really hurt. And then I just recognized it's not personal. It's mm -hmm. not, he's not having a go at me, it's his situation. And I'm the easiest person to take it out on at this moment. Um, and, and actually the same applies with working with elderly clients as well. You know, it, it do, don't take it personally. That, that's the, my, probably my main tip to any cover supervisor. Yeah, I think that's true for any cover supervisor and, so, and any teacher really that it's remembering that. But it is, it's those ones that we feel we've built some kind of trust with that it, it, it hits you the hardest, yeah. isn't it? I think that's yeah. definitely true. It can come as a real shock. And they, they can be so cutting. I remember one student that I worked with who, again, you know, was quite tricky, and but I felt I'd, you know, she 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 seemed to work well for me and, and I felt we had a real connection and then I had her once um for a cover and I felt I was up there I thought god I'm doing a great job you know you know we sort of like yeah, yeah. Da, da, da. And, and she just looked at me and there was a pause and she just said out loud god you're really into this miss aren't you oh. and I was I just felt cut like oh. literally cut yeah. into pieces yeah. and they know where to dig it in oh don't they, don't they? <laughs> yeah I and I thought afterwards why did that hurt my feelings so much that's ridiculous but it 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 just punctured me yeah. I think when yeah. when I when you know when you're thinking you know yeah I'm, I'm doing quite a good, job, a good job and and then I I mean I had to recognize that part of that was my ego as well think and as a mm. non-teacher it was really important for me to make a connection with students and then when it was punctured that was very much my ego being deflated um so it took me it took me a fair amount of time to recognize that it that I was still doing all right and and actually the same student who was vile to me that time was lovely to me the next time he just had a bad day and that was the way it was yeah and and I guess again that that the coming back to the same place which of course your your sort of hardcore supply teacher doesn't have um, you get to see that you see that being played out and yeah. you realize you, you learn okay that really was just a bad day for yeah. that kid and they actually probably feel awful about it now yeah um, or maybe they've forgotten about it I don't know <laughs> they probably have <laughs> <laughs> one, one or the other yeah. but either way you know you move beyond it and I think and that's the luxury of sort of being in the same place isn't it oh, definitely. did you ever either of you ever consider cause I think both of you stayed in the same place um, did either of you ever consider doing work in other schools as, as supply? Was it too scary? I, I would never have thought about it. Um, I mean, even there were times I think and most of us have it in any time in our in our careers when I thought that's it, I'm leaving, I'm going, I've had enough. And then I'd really think what my options were and the prospect of going to another local school or further afield and thinking, actually, no, it's much better the devil I know. Yeah. Oh, Victoria's just texted in. She did it in five schools. Oh. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> scary. Yeah, yeah, really scary. Oh, well, do you know, ladies, it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you this morning. Um, what a lovely chat we've had. Um, and it, do I feel better now about no I don't I haven't I don't feel better about all the cover I, call, I have to say um, but it's been maybe slightly cathartic yeah. you know that I've been able to talk about um the horror uh, that cover is I mean none of us like doing it that is the reality but boy do we love our cover supervisors oh. the joy when you're put on cover and then there's a change 
and the supervisor shows up and goes, it's all right. I used to love doing that. Oh, oh. You can go, I'm here. Oh, God, it was just the best, most it's beautiful really moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, yes, um, I think those those are moments that I shall treasure when occasionally that happens. Sometimes you get it when you're given a PE and they go, yeah, we don't. I think they take one look at me and go, yeah, we don't need you. <laughs> We're we're <laughs> <laughs> given that my last encounter with PE, I tried to give a message to a PE teacher. So I started um, sort of heading across the field. This was in the summer term. And he sort of pointed, pointed out that the kids were just about to throw javelins. <gasps> and I was literally walking across the field. I'm, I'm, that, I'm that dozy. So, um, well, in your defence, yeah. it should be taped off, really, shouldn't it? <laughs> I, it probably was. I just... <laughs> just sort of stepped stepped boldly out onto the field yeah I think I really do need to be kept away from these sorts of things um but yeah thank you both so much thanks to Victoria as well who um joined us in the recorded uh, interview but Liz and Helen it's been such a pleasure um thank you for being on the show uh I hope um everyone will join me again on Teachers Talk Radio I hope I've done all right my first go um later today we've got Joseph Hammond at one o'clock and Jane Manzone after that at three. But for now, look after yourselves. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.